This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Zach Taft, Head of Digital Innovations and Ventures at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Zach. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in digital innovations, especially in healthcare, and a lot of buzz. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, happy to do that. Uh, so I've actually been in healthcare for 16 years. I'm probably the luckiest person on the planet, or at least I tell myself that every day. Um, where I grew up uh, next to one of the top ER directors in the world uh, in Cincinnati. And uh, when they were going live on one of the first EHRs, he asked me to come in and shadow him uh, for a summer. And uh, one, <laughs> one of the taglines that he used with me that I still harass him for today was, hey, Zach, you'll come help me learn how to use this uh, electronic medical record. Uh, but it's supposed to make my life easy, and uh, uh, so you'll probably have to do research next summer because I won't need you anymore. And uh, sure enough, four years later, we had uh, over 150 scribes across 13 sites in Southwest Ohio. Um, and I've just always stayed in the provider workflows in digital healthcare, working for uh, for Nuance and then for Modal and 3M. Uh, they're now lucky enough to be working with uh, probably what I think is the best team in the country at Memorial Sloan Kettering and being innovative in, uh, in digital healthcare and, and uh, in the life sciences space. That's amazing. Wow, I love that. And I love, uh, you know, just kind of that outlook of being the luckiest person in the world to be able to be on the ground floor for that EHR implementation. And I can imagine you've seen a lot throughout your career um, as the technology has evolved. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's funny, the technology has really grown, but the core concepts of how do we decrease the administrative burden, cognitive burden on the care teams, improving the way that we interact with patients, and leveraging the technology uh, in these workflows and then in the tertiary workflows, it's still ultimately the same, but the technology has certainly gotten better. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and I'm interested too, uh, considering where we're at today, I know things are changing quickly, a lot happening with artificial intelligence in particular, but many other technologies and aspects of digital transformation that need a lot of attention. So what are some of the opportunities and headwinds that you have your eye on right now? Oh, yeah. So, you know, the technology has advanced so far, which is really exciting. Things that we could only have imagined doing about 10 years ago. Now, how do we structure the unstructured data that's being free typed into the EHRs? Now it's being made possible. So doing discrete data capture just becomes a lot easier. I think one of the big areas that's starting to become even more interesting is not focusing necessarily on the provider workflows, but looking at the rest of the care team workflows. How do we improve those operational efficiencies? How do we get more information to the patients and include the patients and make them a custodian of their care and not just a byproduct of their care? To me, I think the technology is really starting to move that way. And one, as a, as a technologist myself, I find it incredibly intriguing, but put wearing my other hat, being a patient, uh, I was seen at Wild Cornell earlier this year, and it was funny. I was able to see my lab work and the results of my radiographs come back even before the care team did. And so it was just awesome to be a part of that and to see this and not have to sit there worrying, but actually be a, be a co-pilot in my care, which I, I think is incredibly intriguing. You know, one of the headwinds, I think, every healthcare system in the country, and then as a byproduct, the commercial entities in the United States have as well, is budgets are getting tighter. And so 
it makes trying new, more innovative things a little bit more difficult. It makes the resourcing and staffing to test those out a little bit more difficult. But I'm also a firm believer that in every challenge, there's an opportunity. And so because staffing is becoming more difficult, because budgets are becoming more tighter, there's an opportunity to build more and creative partnerships uh, with these entities that you work with, or even cross, uh, cross entity uh, type partnerships. Absolutely. That's a really great point. And, you know, I know that healthcare organizations don't want that innovation that they realize, especially over the past few years during the pandemic to slow down or stop by any means, but certainly, you know, the type of especially financial investment, but also resources from their team um, have been shortages is not always aligned with being able to do everything they want to do. So, you know, I love your focus on partnerships in, in um, attention there. What partnerships do you see as being some of the most valuable or, or when you're evaluating potential partners, how do you connect with those that really are going to make a lot of sense um, and, and select those who are going to be working with you in the future? Yeah, and great question. And it's actually you know top of mind for us at MSKCC, and I know it's top of mind for our, our partners, especially in, in, in the cancer realm. You know, one of the areas that I see that's been unique since coming to MSKCC has been the openness and willingness of our um, sister hospital systems at other organizations, whether that be MD Anderson or City of Hope or Moffitt or even at Yale. Um, I've recently had conversations with a, a friend of mine, a former colleague of mine, who's the chief health information officer at Yale. His name's Alan Zhao. We're, we're talking about how do we evaluate third-party partnerships with commercial entities? What are the things that we look at? And then what I found even most intriguing was Alan's leveraging my expertise, I'm leveraging his expertise and how we evaluate these organizations to potentially partner with. And how can we divvy up the, the delegation of labor um, so that we're getting the most out of these partnerships, but leveraging our individual expertise? And the reason why I think that this is so critical and important is one, we can't solve everything at, at MSK and Yale can't solve everything there. It needs to be an interconnected system. And so by us being able to leverage our expertise and what we have here and being able to share that with Yale and vice versa, that saves on the labor costs. It also saves on the evaluation costs. And so if you're a third-party entity and you're looking at these potentially multi-center partnerships, I think it's a great opportunity for you because you're not going to be stuck in year-over-year year pilots or proof of concepts or evaluations, if you get one of these organizations to drop and to evaluate your technology and confirm that the technology really does work and is solving the problems that need to solve, then these other entities are going to listen to their partners and to their colleagues uh, and be able to adopt these technologies much quicker. So I think the tremendous advantage here is it's less cost on us as the healthcare systems to evaluate these new solutions in tandem with our partners. And it's rapidly accelerates the time to market for the third-party entities to bring these technologies that I think are going to ultimately impact uh, patient care and improve patient care in an incredibly positive way. That's fascinating and great to hear that you're able to work so collaboratively with other organizations to um, get things done quickly and easily. Um, you know, it definitely shows how important those types of partnerships and alliances are within the healthcare organization. And thinking through too, you know, where you're really uh, going, how are you thinking about growth and adding value to your organization in the future? So one for, for growth, I see for MSK, 
we have traditionally been in within our catchment zone within around Manhattan. Uh, let's take 70 miles around Manhattan has been the traditional catchment for the vast majority of our, of our patients. I see with digital innovations and, and with ventures as well, there's an opportunity here as the technology is advanced, it's br bringing and making the globe much smaller and an opportunity for MSK to not be a, a spoke of cancer care, cancer research, um, but to be a hub of it and to be able to provide our expertise and guidance and support, not just across the United States, but even around the globe. Um, one of our principal investigators, Bob Lee, who, who leads our international division, he's building these tremendous relationships in China and India and Europe. And because the technology is getting to a place that makes this world much smaller, the ability to project this expertise just allows MSK to get its brand across the world. It already is there, but really reinforce that and also decrease the costs that are associated with being able to take on our expertise and our research to, to improve patient care. And so as we look at what the White House is doing um, with the moonshot, the ability for us to decentralize clinical trials, to include diversity, equity, and inclusion, again, not just here in the United States or in the major population centers in the United States, but being able to expand this out to rural areas across the U.S. and across the globe. You know, I think that it's an, a huge area, an untapped market for growth, especially in technology, that the world is only going to benefit from. And, and pharma and life sciences industry and being able to have a, a a secure and connected way to connect those patients together is going to be tremendously impactful for them in terms of uh, rapidly accelerating drug development and improving clinical trials. It's incredibly, incredibly excited. And when I think of the value of this, you're no longer looking at a subsect of your industry. You're no longer looking at just point solutions to solve a, a, a problem for one part of your organization. You're looking at inflecting and impacting on multi-connected platforms that are able to not just benefit MSKCC, but I'm hoping the commercial partners that we work with are taking our knowledge and utilizing that to help everybody and to take this to across the globe. Um, I was talking with a colleague from MD Anderson earlier this week, and they were doing the exact same thing for us, where they were imparting their knowledge and their expertise, and allowing us to think about how do we go out and connect more patients um, and, and deliver care, not just within our 70-mile catchment zone, but doing this across the globe? And that type of partnership, that type of interconnectivity, the value there is really, I think at this point, it's incalculable. But I'm sure there are, uh, there are much uh, smarter MBAs out there and, uh, and finance individuals who will be able to, uh, and economists who will be able to draw that value pretty soon. <laughs> Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, it's exciting to kind of look at how things are accelerating, growing um, within that connective space and um, really leveraging technology in a way that um, allows for much better patient care, much better coordination across the organization and, um, you know, in, in really boosting um, the, the knowledge base, I guess, of everybody around. So that's awesome to hear. Um, I'm wondering too, you know, I know that right now resources are tight across the industry, whether it's financial, um, you know, or, or time of 
the workforce and the organization, clinicians, physicians, as well as staff members, just trying to make sure that everybody has enough time and energy to do everything that needs to be done. Um, we're also thinking about, as you mentioned, innovation in, in ways that you can um, really be growing and preparing for the future. So considering some of those challenges, what are you know one or two risks or investments worth making this year? To me, I think one of the biggest risks um, in our industry right now is listening to the buzzwords and listening to the marketing that's going on and accepting that that is that is rote. What I've noticed in, in my position at MSK and, and as my position in my previous uh, roles is that marketing and buzzwords tend to really draw people in. And people are looking for solutions because there are a lot of those that are needed and just accepting without evaluating. I do think that we do need to, yes, listen to the buzzwords and listen to the marketing and and listen to where the market is going, but also be cognizant of how we evaluate those. Um, We've looked at several technologies that are really big buzzwords in the market. We've solved this, we've solved that. And evaluating, well, how have you solved that? What does that mean to bring that into MSK? And what is the risk that's associated with bringing this technology in and it failing? And one is it potentially hurts patient care because it's giving negative results. Uh, number two is we've invested time and energy into this solution. And because it wasn't successful, that's time and energy, that's resources, that's capital that could have been used somewhere else that is now gone with no measurable outcome. And then lastly, it potentially can put a, a, a bad taste in an individual's mouth. So when you go to bring a new uh, vendor in or, or evaluate a new tech, type of technology, there's no appetite for the organization because they believe that they've already seen the best thing that's out there. Uh, one of our commercial partners, uh, one of our portfolio companies, their CEO was very scared about a recent press release that came out where one of their competitors said, we've solved this. We've changed the way that healthcare is taking technology. And his fear to me was that they haven't. And if if people start listening to this and adopting their technology and it fails, and we believe it will fail, you know, I think that's going to hurt my company and ultimately set back the industry by by five years or maybe even 10 years. And I've pur- purposely, I, I've uh, witnessed that in, in my career as well, where I've seen those type of technology break. So I think that is a tremendous risk. So I think the way to to tackle that risk is do the due diligence, lean on your, your partners internally and at other institutions uh, and, and mitigate that risk by, by doing the evaluation. Where I think investment should be is investing in our internal resources and then making them more successful. Look at the foundational and root problems that transcend our, our care teams. And they're around the administrative burden and cognitive burden that are placed on these individuals. Look at the nursing staff, the PCAs, the front office staff, the back office staff. As more technology is being brought into these institutions, it's more work typically that needs to be done. And so invest in solutions that decrease that cognitive load and that cognitive burden. Um, I'm actually currently working on a company right now, an MSK NUCO, that is around uh, clinical trials match. And how do we provide technology to our clinical research coordinators to allow them to evaluate more patients more efficiently, more effectively? Let them spend less time as a data entry clerk and more time as what they are trained to do, and that is to execute these protocols. 
And if we can do that, not only does that decrease the burden on that team, but it also opens up the opportunity that we can start offering more clinical trials at MSK or at any institution that would use this type of platform. So we're increasing the ability for our providers and our uh, healthcare uh, uh, professionals to see even more patients. So obviously the downstream effect is that if we're able to screen and see more patients, that means more patients have access to clinical trials and we rapidly increase that diversity, equity, and inclusion of um, bringing new and novel uh, type of therapies to market. Again, not just in the United States, but thinking globally. That's so exciting to hear and definitely a lot uh, happening in that space. I can imagine working with some of those companies and those innovators um, keeps you on your toes for sure. Absolutely, (laughs) which is good. (laughs) For sure. Um, Well, great to hear. And before we wrap up our conversation, um, I I wanted to get your perspective on the future. Where do you see some of the best opportunities for growth? And from your vantage point, especially thinking about digital innovations um, and in the venture realm, what are you really looking out for and, and what are you most excited about? Well, the thing I am incredibly most excited about is as the technology has gotten better, the ability for us to connect to our patients anywhere in the world in a real time, in a, in a precision-like modality um, where you feel like it's personalized, you're not just a cog in the machine, but you're personalized in, uh, in, in, your, in your medication, your, medi- uh, your health plan is tailored to you, I think is incredibly exciting. Uh, I live in Indianapolis. Uh, my family doctor is two hours away in Cincinnati at, at, at the Christ Hospital. I continue to see my physician there because even though I'm two hours away, I feel like I'm next door to, to Dr. Roberts, which is incredible. And I can only see that technology getting more advanced and even more personalized and even more tailored to me and to, to all patients. So I think that's number one. I think that's a huge opportunity. Number two is the costs associated with drug development are, are skyrocketing. And I think that's universally understood um, and also seen as a universal concern for how we bring new and novel therapies to market. Um, and so the technology related to how we manage clinical trials uh, at centers like MSK or MD Anderson, um, and then actually expanding that out to the community market and being able to bring therapies that typically would be only tracked and seen within you know, centers of excellence, I think are going to become more diverse and able to extend to populations uh, in the rural area. So to me, I, I find this as a real opportunity for growth. And the, the outcome to that is we decrease uh, drug costs, the availability and access to these new novel therapies becomes um, expected and extended. And I think the entire market, whether you're a patient, you're a provider, you're a healthcare system, or you're in pharma and life sciences, uh, I think everybody's going to benefit from that. So it's, it's incredibly exciting, and I'm, I'm truly interested to see what happens over the next five years in that space. That's awesome. Amazing to hear and just really exciting to think about, um, you know, how healthcare can become more personalized and really work better for patients in general. Zach, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me and I do look forward to talking with you again soon.